not lasting as long as wet as what? Shetty agrees with me. Welcome to the resentful <laughs> show. <laughs> and even if you're right, it's still painful. <laughs> Welcome to the Aesthetics Mastery Show. I'm Dr. Tim Pierce. Hi, I'm Miranda Pierce. And today we're doing a deep dive on toxin longevity. We've noticed quite a bit of noise online from clinicians experiencing feedback from their patients that maybe toxin isn't lasting as long as they were used to pre-lockdown. So what are the factors that could have caused this if indeed it's true? And also generally I'm interested in what can we do to try and increase the longevity of our patients' toxin? Absolutely. So to figure out how we can manage and get the best out of toxin for our patients, we need to understand how this whole system works, because it's a lot more complicated than just injecting in the right place, as most of you will know. So what are the factors that contribute towards longevity? So I thought it might be useful to break it down into manufacturing factors, and then we'll work through patient and clinician factors and aftercare and how all of these things might fit together to control how long you get out of a particular treatment. So it does start, I guess, with which brand you choose? Well, possibly. Um, the brands are all fairly similar in most ways, but also there are some key differences. So the biggest difference in terms of the the ability to predict the results might be how, it, how difficult it is to store. And in, in this way, certain toxins don't need refrigerating. And that may, may provide a more predictable um, in terms of mistakes being made. So if, you, if you're a bit cack-handed and you leave your product out um, for too long, that, that some products will be more resilient than others in theory, although we don't really have the data on that. And it's probably more complex than, than simply that. But that's the kind of thing that might make a difference in terms of product choice. So which one is more, is more vulnerable to, to damage, essentially, would be one way of phrasing that. Okay, okay. So how do they break down? So in the UK, there are three products most of us are most most familiar with. There is Disport, which is also called Azalor and a smaller, it's the same product with a different licensing, different amounts. Um, there's Xeomin and Bocature, which are similar. Uh, and then there's, Bo then there's Botox, which is probably the brand leader. It's definitely the brand leader, the one everyone uh, talks about the most. But uh, the biggest difference between those in terms of the cold chain is that Bocature doesn't require refrigeration. You can store that at room temperature in theory. That's the biggest thing that may or may not have an effect on this, but it's just worth understanding that. The others need to be stored in the same way. So just to say with Bocature, though, once it's been mixed up with the saline, then it has to go in the fridge. Yes, and all of them will tell you once it's been diluted with saline that you should you should use it within 24 hours. It's single use on one patient and you shouldn't store it for longer than that. Okay. So if how does this cold, how does this, whether or not you've got it in the fridge and all of that, how does that affect the potential longevity of the toxin? Well, in theory, what we've got is a three-dimensional protein. So what all of these all of these products are are freeze-dried, purified proteins. And proteins, as we'll remember from GCSE, have, have complex uh, quaternary structures. So there's, there's a very complex three-dimensional shape as this protein is folded. And anything that disrupts that shape can stop it from working. Now, the toxin is it's actually made up of a heavy chain, a light chain. They actually separate when you when you finally inject them. But there's a there's a it's worth understanding that it's that fragility that we worry about. So temperature, time, pH, all the things you might remember from GCSE biology that affect enzyme rates effectively affect the ability for Botox to work. Okay. okay. Sorry, sorry, I should say for botulinum toxins to work. Yeah. So for example, if we had Bocature, which is the one that you don't have to refrigerate, does that make it 
better or well what essentially they're saying is that product is validated to be stable if you keep it in those conditions and the other products are validated to be stable if you keep them in the other conditions and there should be no effect on longevity so long as you're looking after them as the manufacturer says. Okay, okay, fine. So it's all equal as long as you do what you're told on the leaflet. And one of the things that I see quite a lot um, in forums, in fact, we've had this in the past, is that you might, you know, you might unplug your fridge by accident or you might, you know, your husband might, uh, we've, we've had some funny ones where, you know, husbands have taken the post where they've, you know, a toxin has been delivered and then, you know, put it in the wrong place or something like that. What, what is there any evidence to suggest that this actually does have an impact? Forgetting about what the manufacturer says on the leaflet. Well, I, I don't think there's any strong evidence actually, but it's, it, there's a reason that they've, they've validated in that way. So it's validation is kind of different to, no, to saying it's definitely going to do something different when you don't work. They've effectively thought about it, tested it at this temperature and said, if you do this, you will get the expected results. It actually doesn't mean that if you do something different, you might not get right. equally good results because, um, but you know, we all assume there must be something behind this. There's some sort of rationale at least, and maybe some evidence. Um, so we stick by it in order to get expected results. Um, but you will absolutely, in fact, I've experienced this myself in the early days, leaving, leaving a toxin bottle out and then using it and finding out that it works exactly the same, mm. um, and it wouldn't. It wouldn't if you did that. It wouldn't harm the patient. I think the worst that could happen is it just wouldn't work as well. Is that right? Or you wouldn't get as long from it? Yeah, if you have a sterile vial that's left out of the fridge for twenty four hours, um, I don't think, particularly if you're using bacteriostatic saline, there's the chance of infection injecting saline is basically zero. It's incredibly small amount, so the only risk would be that it just may not work as well. Okay, certainly in my mind for a short period of time. Is there anything else on the the different? differently manufactured toxins that might affect the longevity? I mean, theor theoretical things would be the, the stabilizing proteins. Um, I mean, this, but this is interestingly where uh, Bokutur actually has fewer or no stabilizing proteins. They essentially boiled the, from what I understand, they've boiled the toxin down to its fundamentals. Um, and there, there are the fewer proteins go in with the product. And so that could be a good or a bad thing because maybe those proteins are less, they, because they're not there, they're less vulnerable to damage. But also, maybe they're serving a purpose that helps them last longer. But I mean, what what you'd think looking at the temperature is that it's actually it, it actually helps that there are fewer. Now, it'd be great to hear from anyone who's a, who's a real detailed because everything you look at in terms of scientific papers now is a few years old, and I'm sure they know a lot more. I would love to know any more anyone who's a, really into the science of these how these proteins fold, and particularly, I imagine we won't get it because it's a it's a commercial secret. Mm -hmm. But um, but it would be great to understand on that level, how they manage to keep one toxin basically viable, not refrigerated, while others require refrigeration, and what the payoff is for that. Because I'm sure there's, there will be, you can't change something without there being a, a negative in some situations. So it'd be interesting to hear that. So because patients have been complaining more post-COVID, that they've been having less good results, less long results, could that be a dodgy batch? And what is it in the manufacturing process that could go wrong? Well, the manufacturing process is is an amazing thing. And it's really worth understanding this because I certainly remember in my the first time I ordered toxin, you'll remember this, that we we looked at the vial and we thought it was empty and we thought we'd been sent a, do a dodgy batch. And we rang the pharmacy like many people do and complained about the fact that you've been sent an empty vial. And they explained that, that this is normal. But more what happens as you become more knowledgeable about how these things are made is that that scene became increasingly embarrassing for me to remember. And the reason for that is 
when you figure out how they make this stuff, it is unbelievably controlled. Like it is, it's it's almost miraculous that they are so controlled. And I'll give you one example, which really helped me get my head around this idea, which is the world supply of toxin will fit into a teaspoon. That's for every indication for every patient on the planet. You can fit it into one teaspoon. Medical for like kids who have it all on their legs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, everything. So all for this is for the Allegan because the Allegan uh, did do the Allegan tour, which was amazing, really interesting. So the next thing to consider would be what happens after the manufacturing process. So I'm going to assume that these factories are so well built that as they leave, they are all what they say they should be. And then there's a lot of stuff that can happen from that point, which also needs to be understood. Okay, so what happens next? Well, um, I was thinking around... Try, trying to figure out what would have changed during the lockdown. And certainly one thing that we certainly have experienced is you get closer and closer to your sell-by date. And it, it, what mm. would make sense possibly, like if you're a pharmacy is holding stock of these products, you're not going to send out the fresh batch. You're going to send out the one that's closer to the end. And perhaps, you know, it's, it's been a long time, six months, you might be getting closer towards that end. And then you might think, well, let's ship all that stuff. So perhaps... There's a spectrum of efficacy as it tapers off, and we're mm. noticing that. This is just a theory. I would I would guess most of these most of these products, if they say they're in date though, and they've been stored correctly, that it's very unlikely that that you would see that difference. I don't think they'd be validating products, uh, and so it's not. I'm not my experience with it being fragile. I don't find the products that fragile. As I said, if you leave it out. It doesn't normally change the efficacy. There's quite a few studies on even diluted toxin four weeks later behaving pretty much 95% the same as other toxin. So um, I don't know, but it's one more thing to think about. How long has it been in storage? Um, The next thing is, has it been stored correctly and how well controlled are those temperatures? Now, most big manufacturers and big uh, pharmacies are going to be really working hard on this because it's, you know, like remember how we felt when we first started ordering it. You'd panic over keeping it the right temperature, run around, always trying to keep the fridge, you know, checking the temperature because if that doesn't work, you end up with a big liability with your patients, which is what people are experiencing at the moment. I don't know for sure, but how how your pharmacy stores it and which and and maybe towards the end of the sell by date, maybe that could play a role if it's been stored at you know eight and a half degrees for a period of time, slightly over, and it's towards towards the end of the sell by date. These things maybe you're, ta- you're shaving five percent off efficacy. Mm. Efficacy. So that's possible. The, the next thing would be what happens, what's different about your patient when I think you see them? Because I th- I'm assuming the batch has got there safely for you. In the, in the room itself with the patient, what's different? Now, one thing that might be different is that we've had a fairly hot summer in the UK. Most of the, our data will come from the UK. And I do think a hot patient might reduce might have less effect from toxin. And there's a couple of reasons for that. But first, you've got to understand what's actually happening with the toxin. So if you inject you know, your two units or four units of toxin into a muscle, What's where's that toxin actually going? Well, it's it's spreading around the interstitial space and it's basically settling down as there's new blood being pumped in all the time. So we're pumping blood in that seeps out of the blood vessels into the interstitial space and then is drained through the lymphatics. There's a constant process that tissue that you're injecting your toxin into is being renewed at a constant rate. So you've only got a limited period of time after the injection that you're actually going to get toxin into the right place. Otherwise, it gets washed into the into the systemic circulation. So in that, anything that increases that that flow of of uh, interstitial fluid is going to change the efficacy. So if your patient's hot and there's more blood in their skin and you inject them, you have got less time for that toxin to get into the right place. Now, it isn't very long. I think actually, last time I was talking to someone in depth about this, it was about 20 minutes that it's probably settled on the nerve and then the job is done. 
Because remembering what's happening is it's got this receptor that, that fits on, onto nerve cells. And when it fits, it's like a key, opens up that little passageway and deposits the active toxin in, uh, into the cell. And once it's in that cell, it doesn't really leave again. There's no purpose for it to leave. So within that cell, it's trimming off the SNAP25 receptor. Uh, and that SNAP25 receptor is one of the components that enables acetylcholine to then be released into this presynaptic membrane. So when the temperature is high, you may be washing that toxin out into the systemic circulation a bit faster which means of your four units maybe only three units gets in on a patient who's hot it could be that i have no idea exactly what the data is and it's very hard to 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 actually work out but that's the kind of thing that might play a role just kind of think of as many things as possible okay what about our patients muscles which have been going wild all over lockdown yeah so this this is the bit that i think most people have has surmised is the most obvious explanation for this, which is the longer you've gone since a the treatment. There, there are patients I know who haven't missed an appointment for 12 years and they come <laughs> every four months and they have their treatment. And this will be the longest they've gone in 12 years without a toxin treatment. So their muscles, which are usually basically fairly still and not not exercising have started to move and then kept going and then actually basically hypertrophied they become bigger muscles to what they were before and so if you inject the same dose it's reasonable that they actually probably won't feel the same benefit it could just be as simple as you're treating this the you're now treating patients with bigger muscles than you used to that's one possible explanation so i don't understand that so not only so um let's say that i was at 10 out of 10 for stillness now I've gone back to sort of zero out of 10 because I, um, I've just got my full movement back. You're saying it's worse than that. You're saying it's minus. Why would the muscle get bigger? Well, the muscle gets bigger because the more you use it, um, I mean, this might be different for you because you've actually always, you've, you've always fitted more the, the, you know, you wait until you've got full movement and then, then you yeah. have a treatment, which is actually, that's not how many patients operate. They will, they will come as soon as there's movement. Um, and that's like maybe three, three months in, maybe four months at the, at the latest. I mean, your treatments are longer than that, so that's mm. partly because you're not as affected by it. But it's the if you if you're used to doing it every three or four months, and then you do it, you leave two months extra. You've got two months of exercising that muscle. Oh, like which, a muscle builder, like yeah, a, which oh makes it grow. That's yeah. crazy. So you effectively have a, a bigger muscle at the end of that process than you ha may have had for ten years. What else about the patient could affect longevity? So there, there are lots of patient-specific factors that can affect longevity. Um, one of them is is their genetics. So some people will genetically respond differently. They may have slight differences to their receptors, or an immune difference is probably quite crucial um, in certain people. Although like that's what quite kind rare. Of thing? So if you have an antibody to the toxin, which some people have and some people develop it. Now, it's supposed to be incredibly rare. It depends on the paper. I know in the early days, they were saying as high as 5 to 15% of people. Now, people think it's much less than that. Um, but the, 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 the percentage of resistance will be related partly to genetics and partly to previous exposure. What else could affect it? So um, as I said, cardiac output, anatomy might affect it. You might have certain patients that have muscles that are different shapes so that you're injecting a similar dose, but you're still retaining movement because they're bigger muscles or they are uh, you know, slightly anatomically placed differently so that you're, you're getting less bang for your buck or you just need more bang in order to get the result you want. Um, Behavior afterwards, I think it could be an, a, a key factor. So if your patient's doing a lot of exercise straight afterwards, back down to what we're saying with temperature. If you do a, uh, if your patient does something that exerts them or makes their skin hot straight afterwards, in theory, that's a very vulnerable time. The first sort of 20 to 30 minutes after the procedure, you could be washing that toxin out of the skin and thereby getting effectively a lower dose. Um, you can also be 
There's also things that can happen in the actual procedure that might affect. It. I think these are quite niche and unlikely to infect the whole to affect the whole procedure, but things that cause you to waste toxin. Now, it did it did cross my mind watching someone on Instagram inject. If you leave a tiny bubble in the in the syringe, which I think happens more when you first start because you don't notice it, um, as you pull out that bubble, which is initially compressed, sometimes decompresses and squirts toxin on the surface of the skin. That's only a tiny amount. So if you're injecting one unit, you might only squirt 0.3 of a unit out, which which is a tiny drop. Some clinicians don't see it, but it's 30% of your treatment. So a little thing like that, maybe you're a bit rusty with your injecting, you've got a couple of bubbles in, you haven't got into the full swing of it. Maybe that's a factor for some of them, that you're just, you're just losing some of the toxin on the surface of the skin. Um, another one would be that you inject intravascularly on warm weather. If you inject into a vein, it does nothing. It's not harmful, but you lose that product. It doesn't do anything. And I've certainly... You will see this if you have not seen it already. If you if you get into a little arteriole, you'll see a flash of white on the forehead, and that's basically the saline and the toxin flushing through the system, and most of that won't actually affect the muscle. So there are ways you can lose toxin while you're injecting uh, into the systemic circulation that might affect longevity, and some of them potentially are related, uh, more likely to happen if the blood vessels are dilated on a warm day. And um, But again, wouldn't that affect whether or not they received the right amount of frozenness that they want but then if you if they if they said to you after two weeks oh yeah great i'm happy with my frozen look or not or whatever they want what about that wouldn't affect longevity would it um, I think they basically tie in together because you've got this S-shaped curve of of effectiveness. This is true with all drugs, which is a small amount makes not much difference. And then there's the point of efficacy while you're going up this curve, very small changes in volume make a big difference in the perceived output. But if you haven't got all the way to the top of the curve and you leave out the last 10% of receptors, it can be perceived to be still and then start to come back a bit sooner. Right. Because it, okay. it, 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 it's that you're near the top of that S-shaped curve. Right. We need an S-shaped curve on the on the video, Shati. Do you want me to move pl Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you can just have you sitting in your study drawing an S-shaped curve. Cognitive bias. Just an S. Whole chain. So we actually did a survey once we saw on the Facebook groups and WhatsApp groups that clinicians were complaining, that patients were complaining after COVID. And we asked this question. Since COVID, have you seen a rise in the number of patients complaining that their toxin has not lasted well? And 73% of clinicians out of 1,800 who responded had, they said yes, they had experienced more complaints from patients post lockdown. Now, that actually, we broke that down per brand. So we also asked clinicians which brand they used. But I think it's fair to say there isn't a statistically significant difference between the brands. Um, I mean, if you're, if you're interested, of those who've people, clinicians who said they primarily used Azalor Disport, 73% of those said that their patients were complaining more. Those clinicians who use Bocature Xeomin, 69% said that their patients had complained more post-COVID. And for the Botox brand, those clinicians who use Botox brand, 76 said that their patients had complained more after lockdown. 
but it, it there's not much in it. They're there? essentially the same, about 70%. I don't think there's a, st- a statistical difference between those numbers. Yeah. Um, but the, the, what is statistically significant is that 73% of you guys said there has been a problem. Yeah. But is so, some so kind of- it's experiential, though. This isn't real data. Like, mm. really, what you'd want is. Um, is to follow each patient and test them before and after yeah. and, and then measure it. Um, so this is just a feeling and um, that doesn't mean it's not true either, but it's it's just more, it's, it's not something you can really conclude anything strongly about. You certainly can't attribute a cause to it. It's way, there are way too many factors, which I think we've already discussed. So f- establishing the cause is tricky, that there's a perception, but let's unpack what that how that perception could be affected because um, firstly, what we've asked is, have you perceived any patients coming back more often? Now, that could be one patient that someone's noticed, or it could be all their patients. We have no idea about the scale of it. Um, and what percentage of patients will randomly get a reduction in effectiveness every so often? Um, because there's always there's always that, regardless of when. It occasionally happens that a patient just doesn't get quite as long. So there are lots of things. And then the, the fact that there's a discussion around it also highlights the a potential issue. And then we all go looking for it. Now, this is pretty normal. Uh, you'll even see it in the media. You know, they'll have, there'll be some new idea that, that everyone focuses on. I remember for a while it was knife crime in London. Haven't heard about that for ages. I don't think it's necessarily different, but we were really focused on it for a while. Um, and, and that makes it these issues pop up to our minds more and we we look out for them and then we talk about them more and it can almost become a self-sustaining awareness issue, which which makes the truth a bit harder to find. So in summary, what would you suggest is going on? Um, it's kind of general life advice. Control what you can control really, really diligently. Um, try and notice very carefully your patients, like really observe, try and learn from them because you we're a little bit um, unable to control. If the cold chain is slightly unpredictable at times, that's not really something we can control for. We've only got to make sure our con- our con- our cold chain is perfectly controlled. Um, the other stuff's interesting and report it. Like I think if you're genuinely getting batches that are faulty, all these manufacturers want to look after their brand. In fact, we had multiple call us because we were talking about this topic. They really care about their reputation and they want to do a good job and they want to um, they want their they want to be perceived in that light. So you should communicate with them um, if you think something like that's happening and reporting batch numbers might highlight there's one pharmacy that's fridge is broken. I don't know. <laughs> you know, there's all sorts of things that might come to light if you play the game and report products that you think aren't working. So guys, let us know what you think in the comments. What have you experienced? Is there anything we've left out that we sh- you thought we should talk about, would like us to talk about another show? We love your comments and we love your questions. So please let us know down below. And don't forget to subscribe to this channel because then, and hit the bell because then you'll get an update every time we upload, which we do weekly. Thank you for watching. Take care.